0: Hello and welcome, my name is Daniela, I'm a Catholic speaker and evangelist and you're listening to Parhisia Podcast. Parhesia, from the Greek meaning to speak all freely, openly and boldly. In the words of Hebrews 3.13, I am here today to encourage you. Yes, Jesus Christ is alive. He loves you and I am cheering you on. I pray you're greatly blessed and invite you to subscribe for the latest episodes and to share this podcast. It's a pleasure to be here tonight and I think it's quite appropriate that we just heard that Marion hymn over the bells because I'd like to start tonight's talk in honour of the mother of the king let's invoke our Blessed Mother's intercession because the church teaches that every single grace in our life comes through Mary. It's through Mary that we received the King of Kings. So let's pray that Our Lady will birth the King in a deep and new way into our hearts, into our minds, into our souls, into our whole depth of our being, just like Jeremiah, the prophet, who said fire burned in the depths of his bones. And that's what we want. We wanna be on fire with the Holy Spirit. So we just say, Hail Mary full of grace the lord is with thee blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy mary mother of god pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen our lady of walsingham pray for us now before i go on i always find it very humbling to preach when the Lord is right next to me. And I just want to acknowledge our King, our Saviour, our Lord, who is here, body, blood, soul, and divinity right now. And if we had the eyes of, you know, St. Paul, when the scales fell, we would be on our faces. And But the Lord knows how fragile we are. And so he tempers he, he almost, you know, he humbles himself to how we can receive him. He knows our capacity might need stretching in order to receive him. And we pray for that capacity to be stretched tonight. And basically my job tonight is to tell you, if you already know it, that's good, but you, you need to know it in a deeper way, is to tell you that Jesus is alive he's risen, he's here, and he speaks. And when God speaks, it's not just a word on a page, it's efficacious. And what that means is that when God speaks, stuff happens. Go back to Genesis, where the Lord spoke, let there be light, and there was light. So when God speaks, it's efficacious. The word is real, it's alive. And the word is Christ. And it's Christ who speaks into your life, whatever it is that you need. So today, as you know, the church celebrates the feast of Christ the King. We're coming to the end of the liturgical year. The Alpha, the beginning and the Omega. Christ is the beginning and the end. In him, everything is held together in Jesus Christ. But today, the church also um, celebrates World Youth Day. Put your hand up if you think you're young. Everybody is young at heart. Don't worry about your age. (laughs) You know, the church is eternally young because it's alive, because it's fresh, because it's new, because there's power And that comes from the spirit, which came from Christ's heart, which was pierced on the cross. The church is young, and this is why she celebrates the youth, which is what today is all about. And the theme that Pope Francis has chosen is rejoicing in hope. Romans 12.12, rejoicing in hope. Now, I say this humbly, but... A gift, I've heard this from a few people, a gift that people have seen or said they see in me is joy. Okay, so praise the Lord for joy. And I can tell you he has put a joy deep down in my heart. And I want to ask a question, is where do you think joy comes from? Joy is more than happiness. You see, you all have a spiritual life. And there's a gift that was put into your soul when you were baptized and confirmed. And it's a spiritual gift. You know, the seven spiritual gifts. You would have learned that in your confirmation. And the gift is called fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. Basically, that means Oh, And when you have fear of the Lord, when that spiritual gift is, let's say, active, that strengthens your hope. Now, hope is a theological virtue that was put into your soul at baptism. It's not optimism. It's not this idea in a worldly sense that everything's going to be okay, even though it is is actually a theological gift, a very special gift. So you've got fear of the Lord, strengthens your hope, and hope always leads to joy, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So you've got a spiritual gift of fear of the Lord, which is that awe. Then you've got hope as the theological virtue, which is making you like God. And then when you are made like God, the fruit is the fruit of the Spirit, and one of those fruits is joy. So if that's a bit complicated, stay with me. My next question is, how do we increase fear of the Lord? This holy awe, admiration, wow, Jesus Christ, you are amazing. We cannot stand in the presence of God without being gobsmacked, as they say. And what increases our fear of the Lord? Prayer. Listening to God. Because that is what tonight is all about. And I'm going to give you an example. When I was 17 years old, I'll give you a very quick summary of my life. Born, baptized, Catholic, raised in a Catholic family. One of six, now one of seven. Brought up going to everything like this. Church every Sunday. Had an attraction to Ari, God, Mary, saints, all that type of thing. But deep down, I was afraid of God. Afraid he might take my freedom. Afraid to be vulnerable with God. And I only went to Mass out of obedience. I also knew it was a sin to miss Mass on a Sunday. But I didn't go because I was driven by love. I was driven out of fear for punishment but God works with that. And it was actually in the mass where I encountered him and he gave me fear of the Lord. He gave me awe, because I was sat there in the choir at 17. For two years, I'd been going out into the world, never gave up church, but I started to go out clubbing. And I went to mass one Sunday and I wasn't in the best place. And I sat in the choir And I felt like Jesus was gently knocking on the door of my heart. And I was having this battle, should I let him in, should I not? Should I actually get personal with Jesus, should I not? And I was scared because I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what it implied. And I just said, right, Lord, I'll give you a chance. Doesn't sound very reverent, I know, but it was a prayer. And in that instant, I looked up at a picture of Jesus being baptised. You might have heard this testimony before, but you know, our testimonies, they actually never grow old. Just like the passion, the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus never grows old. What God has done for you has an eternal benefit and you should shout it from the rooftops as much as you can. And in that instance, I looked up at a picture of Jesus being baptised. And all my fear evaporated. Because it's like, I can't explain it. It wasn't mystical. But I just, that scripture came to mind. I am meek and humble in the heart. I saw a meek, humble and strong Jesus. And my fear to get close with Jesus went. And my awe was born, that fear of the Lord, that started that day when I was 17. For once I knew who it was I was turning to. Do you know when you turn to Christ who you turn into? This is why Jesus says, who do you say I am? Because when you can answer that with conviction, that's you live in fear of the Lord. I know that Jesus is meek and humble in heart. And his strength is from his humility. And the more that you pray, because I would make, that was a prayer for me, Lord, I'll give you a chance. And I've tried to do that through the grace of God every day since. But the more you pray, speak, and listen, the more you'll know Jesus, the more fear you'll have of him because he's so beautiful, the more hope you'll have and the more joy you'll have. God is a God of order and he wants to bring order to your life, to bring peace because always after joy, there's peace. You see, we're made for relationship. God became one of us in Jesus Christ to have a relationship with you. He is your friend. Think of the road to Emmaus. Do you know how long it took for the disciples to walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus? I did a bit of research. Jesus walked with them for three hours, listening, sharing, sharing, talking. Jesus wants to spend every single minute of every single day listening to you. Do you think he'll get bored? Maybe you get sick of your own voice. I know I do. I mean, I'm skipping ahead a bit here, but I can talk for England and I'm also half deaf. So Jesus gets more of me speaking than me listening, unfortunately. (laughs) But the Lord loves it when you speak to him. He wants to hear everything from you. Everything. Never tire of speaking to the Lord. You know, he walks beside us and he doesn't expect anything in return. And I'm not the one that's saying that. That was a Pope. One of the popes said, the Lord walks with us and he just wants to share your life and he wants just to hear what's going on. He wants you to open your heart to him. There's a a gospel passage where it says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. How does Jesus speak to you? Just think about that for a minute you see because each one of us is made uniquely personally God knows our hearts our minds and he speaks to every single one of us in a way that is unique to you so I'm asking you a question do you know how God speaks to you I once heard a priest say, I know how Jesus speaks to me. He makes me laugh. I asked somebody else today, how does God speak to you? And he said, through dreams, as it says in, in, in the prophet Joel, young men shall dream dreams, visions. I will pour out my spirit, they will see images. So God might speak to you in a dream. He might speak to you in an image. This was prophesied. How does God speak to you? And I was pondering this myself because when I speak, I really speak from my heart. And I always try and speak from my lived experience. And it took me a long time to discern how God speaks to me. And I'll tell you, because you might resonate, God speaks to me through silence. I don't really get a response. I get silence. And if God does speak, he's very slow. In fact, the only way I can describe it is he's so gentle, and his gentleness is almost frustrating. And that leads me on to my next point. Jesus said, I am gentle and humble in heart. If you know his voice, it's always one that leads, reassures, guides, calms, refreshes, comforts strengthens, heals, encourages, gives hope, peace, and joy. Stress, anxiety, fear, exhaustion, worry, discouragement, aggravation are not the voice of God. You see, we battle with the world, the flesh, and the enemy. And when you seek to listen to God's voice, it's often the quietest, as they say, and the other voices go louder. And so it takes real perseverance and discipline to hear the voice of God. Because he's so gentle. And he knows what you need. You know, as I said before, I don't know about you, but I've often struggled to listen, to hear God, because I'm not hearing him. And so I'm thinking he's not speaking. The biggest lie the enemy wants us to believe is that Jesus is not speaking to us. Have we misunderstood how he speaks to us? You know, right now, I am, am I only speaking to you with words? No. In fact, statistics show that I speak with 7% words spoken, 38% voice tone, and 55% body language. That's how many ways we can speak. So how many ways does God speak? You know, Cardinal Sarah, he wrote a book on silence, and he actually said... I am always struck by God's discretion, by his very tactful, careful manners with their boundless respect for our freedom. We are as fragile as glass, and so God tempers his power and his speech so as to adapt them to our weakness. God speaks to children with extreme gentleness. And what he has to say to them, he often says without words. And what are some of those ways? The Bible, you might get a sense of peace, more than a feeling, a deep peace inside, a feeling of hope. Now, I said before, how does God speak? Very silent to me, very silent. Very slow. But one thing I do experience a lot is this surge of hope. I really do. Especially when I'm suffering. I get like a surge of hope inside. You might get a mini revelation. You might get this sense of just knowing something. I asked somebody else the other day, how does God speak to you? And they said they just get like a hunch. You know, like, It's almost like that gut feeling. They just know something. They might not know what that might be revealed down the line. You might get a prompting or an interior message. I know that when God speaks to me, if I get any kind of message inside, it's usually short and straight to the point. You see, in our nature, some of us can overcomplicate and overthink. Is anybody guilty of that? I think that's everyone. It's it's human nature in our fallen humanity. So God keeps things simple. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am meek and humble in heart. You know, get some of those, those short, snappy scriptures because God is straight to the point. There's no ambiguity with Jesus. He is as clear as a glass. He's so straightforward and he doesn't mess you around. He's simple. You know, I am meek and humble in heart. And you might hear an audible voice. That is quite rare. I do know someone, an amazing testimony, who once heard Jesus speak. It could have been their guardian angel because they're messengers of God, but we'll leave that till they find out in heaven. But they heard God speak, and said, Will you go to this country? And that's all they heard. And he said, Yeah. They went to the country, and lo and behold, they met someone who needed prayer. And that person prayed for God to send someone because they were at the point, that they were at the end of their life in despair. So that is one amazing testimony of hearing God's voice audibly. But not many of us have that gift. But that's fine, as long as he speaks. You know, my words are spirit and life. Who shall we go to, Lord? We need your voice. We need the voice of Christ. How do we listen? Now, this sounds, this is so basic, this talk in a way. But it's actually so essential because we can forget how to listen. I know when I was trying to listen to God, especially... Say in the beginning of my journey, fear was a massive blockage, just scared what he might say, what he might ask. Uncertainty was that really God or was that me? Have you ever had that doubting? Who can give me certainty? How do I know this was God? How do I know this was me? And then ambiguity does it mean this or does it mean that? I had those occasions where I felt the Lord speak and I've given it five different meanings and I don't know which one to go with. So it is a battle, but God strengthens you for the battle and you'll grow in maturity to hear his voice and how he speaks to you. Because like I said, it's personal. But I was in Nock, our lady's shrine in Nock last weekend and I was praying about tonight and I was asking our lady to inspire me. Now, as I said, I don't often hear God in the way that we might think. And I was in the apparition chapel. Has anyone ever been to Knock in Ireland? If if you get called, go. Because it is a special apparition. And I was there in the apparition chapel. And I just said, Our Lady, please help me write this talk. I didn't have much time because I was speaking to some teenagers in Scotland just a few days ago. And so I was asking Our Lady... What did I get back? Silence. And I started to realize maybe this is how God speaks to me. Silence. And I don't know if you know, but knock is known as the silence apparition. Because no one spoke. Our lady didn't speak when she appeared in Ireland. And she appeared with St. Joseph and St. John the Evangelist. There was no speaking, there was no message silence and this really is the shortcut on how to listen to God because I've got a devotion to Saint Therese of Lisieux and if you know Saint Therese she had this desire to become a big saint and she looked at all the other saints and she thought I haven't got what it takes so she said God I need a shortcut who wants a shortcut to listening? L I S T E N. Those letters spell another word that tells you how to listen. Put your hand up if you know what it is. Silence. The word listen also spells the word silent. So Jesus is telling each of us to be silent because it's in the silence that we hear his voice. And let's just talk about noise. You've got two types of noise in your life. You've got external, the obvious, TV, music, social media, other people's voices, the media, everything that goes on out there. And then you've got internal noise. That is the hardest to quiet in. And what's your internal noise? It's your fears, your thoughts. Apparently it's proven we have somewhere between 10 and 90,000 thoughts a day. <laughs> How many thoughts do we have a day? You know, you don't even realize that we're thinking. And then there's also all these questions, hopes, dreams that we have in our heart. And then we carry wounds and sufferings. A lot of them deep down in your subconscious, in your mind. You know, people say memories pop back up when you're being prayed with from years ago. I'll just give you an example. I was practicing this silence last week when I was writing this talk. I said, okay, Lord, let's do five minutes of silence now. No music, no phone. I'm just going to sit here in silence. And do you know what happened? I felt this overwhelming, like heat wave and emotion. And I had a memory from when I was 16 that I thought the Lord had already healed. And I just started to cry because the Lord was showing me that memory still needed healing. He did that in five minutes, in silence. You see, the Lord is calling each of us to cultivate, to make space for silence. And maybe you don't think it's boring, I don't know. But if it sounds boring, I'm gonna explain an amazing testimony about how it actually is life-saving. We need to cultivate this silence. And the first way is to put down your mobile phone. And if you know yourself well, you know, the saints encourage us to get to know ourselves in order to attain this silence. If you know yourself well, like I know when I'm struggling, I'll go to my phone. Like my phone's got the answers. You know, I'll turn to it more looking for something to distract me from what I'm struggling with. So put down the phone. Confession, that is a way of cultivating silence because you, you're confessing your sin. You're being, wo- you're being healed of your wounds, made whole, receiving the blood and water, the mercy that flows from the cross in such a powerful way in confession. Adoration, we're hearing adoration now. Silence. Reading the Bible, asceticism. It's not one we like, I know. Well, maybe you do, so praise the Lord for that. It's not one I like. I'm speaking for myself. I don't really like to fast, but it is good for you. It really does calm your interior noise, fasting. You know, self-discipline is important to silence. And I'll give you an example, not blowing my own trumpet here, but one thing I've been working on is my morning routine. It's only took nearly 30 years And I decided I want to get up early. It's always been my goal. And I like to go to mass at 7am near me, but I also like to go to the gym in the morning. And I said to the Lord, how am I going to do both of these? And so I just made my clock really early to do it. And what I found in this time when I set my alarm for about half four. I know it sounds extreme. Look, I'm not telling you to get up at half four. But if you go bed at eight o'clock, it's okay. It's fine, it works. But when I get up in the morning, in that silence, for 10 minutes, I have felt so close to God. Because in the morning, when everything else is asleep, there's like a sacred silence. And so... If you feel called, and I'm not saying get up at half four, that's only because I want to get to mass seven, so don't copy me. Do what you feel called. But I must say there's a silence in the morning that is special. And I have heard God in the silence because it's almost like there's a presence. So I'd encourage and that's asceticism. Getting up when it's freezing, dark, and you'd rather turn over and go back to bed. You don't have to go to a desert, you can just discipline your routine. And what is the little way of silence? You know, I'm reeling off a load of ways here to help us cultivate the silence. I really just want to take the pressure off each one of us. It says in the Old Testament, the Lord spoke and he said, I am the potter, you are the clay. It's all grace. And the Lord is asking each of us tonight, let's be open to the grace of a new pentecost you know you were confirmed as a teenager or younger but the grace of a new pentecost is asking god to release the spirit within to give us the grace to be still and yes we do our bit we come to confession adoration the holy mass the most powerful prayer if you want your prayers to be answered say them in the mass because it's the most powerful prayer You know, the grace of the spirit is what we need. Don't do it in your own strength. And I want to give you um, an image to go with when you're going into this quiet prayer. And I really, really encourage you to desire it. Seek silence. If you're sick of noise, it's probably a good thing. If you're sick of the world's noise at the moment, If you're sick of noise on social media or everyone's opinions, everything that's out there, take it as a gift because it's probably the Lord's way of saying, I'm calling you in to be with me. Jesus said in the gospel, but whenever you pray, go into your room." And shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. What is that room? Yeah, it's your heart. But personally, I feel like heart has lost the meaning of of the word. You know, we hear the word heart so much. It might not really go deep when I say, go into your heart and pray. It's like, how do you do that? I'm gonna give you another word, a more mysterious word, conscience. Have you heard of the word conscience? The father is calling each one of us to go into the room of our conscience. Now you might think my conscience, I only use that when I go to confession, when I examine my sins. Well, yeah, you do, but it's actually, there's more to it. Now, it's very important to examine your sins, but I'm going to explain how the church describes your conscience. This is from Gaudium et Spes. Your conscience is the privileged place for special intimacy with God and encounter with him where his voice is heard. It's the most secret core and sanctuary of a man. There he is alone with God, whose voice echoes in his depths. So your conscience isn't just when you feel convicted of sin. Your conscience is a secret place within where Jesus invites you to go. And what stopped me going to this place of my conscience, this sanctuary, this secret place was fear. Scared what God will say. That's my experience. What is yours? You know, it is you should listen to your conscience. He's there, waiting to speak. And how do we get there? You know, it's almost like a journey. And the church gives us, you know, the church is absolutely amazing. The church is our mother. And we should love the church. She's given us everything that we need. And one of those things is called the examination of conscience. And I don't mean the one before you're about to go to confession. I mean the one at the end of a day where it takes five minutes in silence you do three things. Where was God today? Where did I feel him? You might not, I don't necessarily mean feelings in a worldly way, but where did I sense his presence? The first one. The second one, where did I struggle? Where did I feel desolate? Where did I sin? And the the third one, Ask God for what you need. If you just remember in those three ways, if you do that every single day, you will come to see that God is at work in your life. The whole idea of the examination of conscience is like taking a magnifying glass and examining, right, where is God active today in my life? And the more you do it, the more confident you'll become in how he speaks to you. And that he is speaking. Don't fall into the trap of looking for the answer from everybody else. Ask Jesus for the confidence to trust that he is in you. And he speaks. And that you can trust his voice. Yes, seek guidance. But have the trust and the confidence that he is at work in your life. And I'll just end with this story of a Vietnam cardinal who's now gone to the Lord. He was a priest in Vietnam. This was Cardinal Francis Xavier. He became a bishop and his motto was joy and hope. Gaudium et spes. Joy and hope. Not long after that, he got arrested and put in prison for his faith. And he was in prison for food years. And for nine, he was in solitary confinement. And he described his room as a cell with no windows. And it was small. Imagine how claustrophobic that would have been. And he was in this cell for nine years. You know, in England, you're not allowed to be in solitary confinement. I think it's for more than 15 or 30 days if you're in prison. He was in it for nine years. In a cell with no windows. And he actually said the only thing that he had was to listen to God's voice. And that became for him an increasing power of hope. And I'll just... Read how he described his experience. They tortured me by leaving me under lights day and night for 10 days and then depriving me of all light for long periods. So what he meant was they had these lights in the cell and they made it roasting hot and there was no air, so he struggled to breathe. One day in the darkness, I noticed a tiny hole through which the light shone. From then on, I used to put my nostrils there to breathe more easily. Whenever there were floods, snakes used to invade my cells and sometimes climb my legs to avoid the water. I had no toilet, but since I received hardly any food, I had little need of one. Prayer. Saved my life. In moments of great suffering, sometimes when I wanted to pray, I could not. I was desperately tired, sick, and hungry. Often I was tempted to despair and rebellion, but the Lord always helped me. This was a man from the 1970s, 50s, or 60s, only in the last 50 years. He was in prison for his faith in Vietnam for nine years in that cell. And he managed to get a friend to bring in wine as a medicine for stomach ulcers because it was a communist regime, so they wouldn't have allowed him to celebrate Mass. And in the secret of his cell with three drops of wine and a few breadcrumbs, he celebrated the Holy Mass, the source of his strength, the Eucharist. And he was so powerful in there that every guard that was put to guard his cell, he converted through his hope and through his joy. And this hope in my own life that has led to joy because I've never gave up praying despite suffering in my own life. And we've all had it. All of us suffer. And if you give up praying, then you do die. Prayer saves And so my invitation to you for this coming Advent, two things a day. If you don't know what to do for Advent, just do these two things. Wake up in the morning, make the sign of the cross. And if you do it already, praise the Lord. I'm, I'm not telling a granny to suck eggs here, but wake up in the morning, make the sign of the cross and just read a bit of the Bible. Because it's Jesus's heart. The scriptures are called the heart of Jesus. If you want to get to know who he is, what he's like, how he feeds, read his word. And at the end of every day, for five minutes, you'll probably end up doing it longer. Examine your conscience. Where you felt God, where you sinned, where you didn't feel him, and what you need. And make it regular, consistent. Because that's how we grow. If you forget one day, get up and do it again. You know, Saint Mother Teresa said, God hasn't called me to be successful He's called me to be faithful. Faithfulness is all he asks. And faithfulness is falling over and getting back up. This is what he wants this Advent. He wants you to sit with him. Silence. Because like Cardinal Francis at Xavier, he's going to save your life. He's going to protect you. And you're going to know Christ in a way that you've never known him before. Amen. And you say, amen. So, Lord, we just thank you for this time. You are truly with us. Lord, I thank you for every single young person here. We ask now for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon every single person, that you will give them the gift of silence, that you would inspire in them the desire to be still, to put down the phone, to give you their worries and fears, that they would listen to your voice that they will grow strong in and through silence, that they would discover how you speak to them, Lord, that you would raise them up to be witnesses to other people, that they will come out the other side of Advent, bright, shining lights of hope and joy because of their intimacy with you. And I give this prayer over to Our Lady, the Mother of Silence, in Jesus' holy name, Amen.